This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with a great guest. It's the other person who lives in this home and isn't even a guest, just the co-host of the podcast right now in our strange times. <laughs> it's Sarah Scrimshaw. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? <laughs> welcome to Strange Times. <laughs> Uh, we wanted to just kick off right away uh, by letting our wonderful listeners know that we did have to skip last week, which people were really understanding about, which I really appreciate. But we thought eh, maybe it'd be nice to let people uh, know that there was an actual emergency and we weren't just like, yeah, don't feel like podcasting this week. <laughs> That's right. Just got a stream arrow. <laughs> just got a stream arrow, <laughs> which we've already watched. <laughs> uh, it took me a second to realize that you were talking about the television show Arrow. I was like, what's what's a stream arrow? Oh, oh, got it. We shall find out what stream arrow is. <laughs> stream arrow is our secret CIA plan that we're involved in, which was our emergency <laughs> last week. No, uh, we had, uh, I'm using we in a in a weird way. No, I You would... had an, a medical emergency, which of course, because you're my partner, was an emergency for me. Yeah, yeah. I would say we is the appropriate. Okay. The appropriate. Um, I just did not want to uh, center myself in your medical emergency. <laughs> no worries. So do you want to share? Sure. So uh, I will not get into graphic details for listeners who are here for a podcast about Obsessed and not about graphic medical details. But <laughs> I was in severe pain and we ended up having to, you called. In fact, I was not capable of it. So good thing you were here. Um, you called the ambulance and they did some tests and said, we don't know what's wrong with you, um, but you clearly are in a lot of pain. Uh, let's take you to the to the um what's it called to the hospital so <laughs> in we went in the little the not little ambulance um they were very nice <laughs> i was in a lot of pain was moaning a lot and um brought me to the er which was during these covid times honestly both a fascinating experience and also i couldn't pay any attention because i was just trying to not moan too loudly mm. oh sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no it just it hurts um but they had separate ERs for um, COVID patients and non-COVID patients. And since I was there in the back of an ambulance, they got me right on in and in the non-COVID ward. I do want to make that clear. This yes, was a non-COVID emergency. Non-COVID emergency got me into the ER um, and determined that I did indeed uh, need a wee bit of unexpected emergency surgery. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making this sound like such a little <laughs> leprechaun's adventure. <laughs> the the little ambulance took you uh, for a little surgery. Took me for a little surgery. Um, but as uh, we were talking about, so sorry, let me not get my, ahead of myself. I did have surgery, just laparoscopic surgery. They were able to take care of the problem. And uh, then I got to come home at like four in the morning. It was great. It was great. And for these times of uncertainty, it was fantastic to go from being fine to being in severe pain and then to having surgery and being home all in 24 hours. Yeah. I mean, it was under 24 hours the entire thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but I see what you're saying of going from being not in pain to back yes. home yes. and and safe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So obviously, uh, you're, you're doing great now. Uh, but when you first got home, with this happened last Wednesday. We re usually record on Thursday. And Thursday, uh, I was going on two hours of sleep. You had recovered. Uh, re we're recovering 
from surgery. So it didn't seem like we were going to put out quality content. <laughs> yeah. I think I offered, not quite realizing how incapable of that I would be. Yeah. yeah. No, that was so very was like, sure, kind of you to Yeah, offer. I can try. Yeah. And, and I, I, think, I think people who uh, listen to the podcast probably can infer this about you. You are a very strong person who is always willing to push through. So that was uh, that was one of my responsibilities <laughs> to make sure you didn't push too hard when you were recovering from surgery. It was. It has been an interesting journey. Um, I feel very, very lucky to be, you know, had some have something happen that I can just recover from. It's not an ongoing concern. And uh, but each day I can tell how much stronger I am by how much I'm like, what I how did why did I try to do those things on Monday? How did I do that? Um, so, and then that is how I feel right now about offering to do a podcast on Thursday. I think even I knew on Thursday that I was like, well, maybe Friday morning. <laughs> yes, that's what you said. Maybe Friday morning. It's like, no, you are recovering from surgery. That's what we're doing these yeah. days. Yeah. Surgery recovery. And uh, people who listen to Obsessed regularly often hear about the action figure table. So I thought I would share that fun part of this. Of Every time in the last uh, 15, 20 years, I've had an emergency that requires a police officer or a firefighter to come into my home. Inevitably, in the midst of crisis, they still find time to comment on my Star Wars action <laughs> figures. <laughs> and uh, the, the firefighters came in. They were uh, one of them was, you know, checking it with you and, and figuring out the problem. And the other one was standing right by our little podcast station here and glanced over at the action figure table and said, uh, ah, yeah, you, uh, you collect those to resell them, right? <laughs> and I said, no. He's like, oh, but they're, they're real valuable, right? You could, you could resell them if you want. And I was like, you know, I'm worrying about you. We don't know what is happening yet. Right. So, and I was just like, no, they're all very modern. They're not worth anything. I just like them. <laughs> <laughs> They feed my soul. They're like, by the way, my wife's not okay. Could you? Yeah. I just, I'm entertained that it always comes up. Mm -hmm. Always, always with the action figure commentary. Yeah, I'm sure they are too. That makes their day a little different. Yeah. And I not think, just in an emergency way. And it did seem like that. It seemed like that they they got in here. They made sure that it wasn't immediately life-threatening. And they're kind of going through the motions to figure out what they can and what they should do. And I could almost see that moment where he's like, okay, now I'm just going to look around <laughs> these people's homes <laughs> and see what the deal is. And as people uh, who guest on Obsess always comment on the mountain of action figures, I thought I'd share that with our listeners. But that's it for our uh, emergency talk. We are going to move on to our topic. We decided it would be fun to talk about San Diego Comic-Con because a lot of people uh, on my social media feeds are talking about it, either because they've gone to the convention for years and it means everything to them, or it's a, a convention that I know a lot of people are haven't been to but have heard a lot about and are really want to have that is like, this is one of these days, but you know, I'm going to go to that damn convention. And they are like, uh, like many people trying to have that great spirit of we will go on. So this weekend they're doing uh, virtual panels and all the kind of similar, not quite the same, but you know, uh, a lot of pop culture genre news is still dropping because they're having San Diego Comic-Con at home. Uh, there's a great thing where people are even putting out people in San Diego. Uh, I think like people who, normally who live in San Diego, obviously, mm -hmm. and work at, at all of the various places are putting out like memorials in front of the convention center of how much they miss everybody. Oh, seriously? Yeah. 
Yeah, like little wow. pictures of Wonder Woman and like hearts and, you know, miss you and we will return. Aww. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so kind of fun. It's a big, weird convention that means a lot to a lot of people. You and I have gone for years, so I thought it might be fun to just obsess a little bit over the convention and our uh, history and, and feelings about it. So let's dive in with that. If aliens landed and asked you to describe San Diego Comic-Con, what kind of description would you try to give the aliens? Ooh, that's such a fun one. I I mean, I kind of just want to be like, okay, so I think I would start with you need to just dive in <laughs> because you feel so surrounded. Like it is like you're swimming in a sea of genre. Right. And so I feel like, and especially is even like the Comic-Con, the, um, the convention center building in San Diego has like glass on the top. So it is a little bit like we're all in the aquarium um, <laughs> and you've got the ocean right there. So I would say, okay, we're going to dive in and spend time with thousands of people who want to celebrate this genre, who want to, who create it, who want to talk about it. And, um, and we're going to get you some cosplay. Alien, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> okay. If the alien asked you, what do you mean by genre? How mm-hmm. would you how would you respond to the alien? I would really hope that you were with me and I'd be like, this person right here is going to explain that to you. <laughs> okay, fair And if enough. not, I'd do a stuttering version of kind of what I just did of, except like, well, it can include stories under the sea and stories of superheroes because <laughs> i'm stuck on a dive-in metaphor and um it can include uh such a wide variety of topics and um characters and stories yeah yeah and that was the, the thing that struck me the first year that you know the banners go up all over san diego uh and in particular in in the neighborhood right around the convention center and they have had for years the slogan celebrating the popular arts which I think is a way to get around, not just saying science fiction, fantasy, uh, but they also like mean it because I was, I remember being shocked of like, oh, NCIS has a panel in a massive booth and it, it still is absolutely a, uh, a kind of a, a nerdapalooza. It, it is absolutely about genre, pop culture, you know, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, blah, 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 superheroes, everything. But there is this, there is this corporate side to it of, mm-hmm. You you can try to get all of the enthusiasts, the pop culture enthusiasts, excited about anything in pop culture. It's still overwhelmingly going to be the you know the main things. Yeah. But, but I remember being struck by that the first time we went of like, oh, this is such such big business. Yeah, I think it seems like it's both big business and also um, properties. You know, whether TV or, you know, um, comic books or something else that people feel very passionate about. Yeah. So even if it's not something that is genre, like you're saying, and I think sometimes coming definitely from the media influence side, but I think also sometimes coming from like maybe it's people who started with, you know, science fiction, but right now they're really into Breaking Bad. And so that's what they're bringing with them to Comic-Con, even though that's not maybe, maybe not depending on your definition gonna be part of you know kind of genre TV. right right breaking bad is the science part of science fiction <laughs> there we go oh, yeah. that's, there we go <laughs> so be it yeah but not not uh you wouldn't go like yeah what, what are the big genre things star wars star trek breaking bad yeah those are the big three uh so yeah you just see people being passionate about whatever they're passionate about i think the thing that i would try to get across to aliens is like mm-hmm. okay we have this thing called conventions and there are many different kinds of conventions 
And this is this massive monster convention that is a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. There's like a huge sense of community just from people who attend, right? And who are fans and have their own. Uh, I, I go to Comic-Con every year with this group of five friends and I've been doing it for 10 years and we stay here and we eat here and we go to this panel and there's all this sort of intimacy mm-hmm. of, that you can have in a community. And then on the other side, there is the massive corporate, like just like, yep, this is targeted advertising. We are trying to get you pumped about this movie uh, and, you know, you know, people, companies uh, measuring the metrics on social media of like, mm, the Marvel panel edged out uh, the DC panel for social media engagement. Like there's a huge, unignorable corporate side of it. But then there's also, you know, besides the huge panels with the famous people, there are panels discussing every little uh, niche in uh, in genre. And yeah. there's all of the, the celebration of the cosplay. There is... Uh, the parties from everything that's like just hotel bar parties that are open to anybody who wants to wander through to the super exclusive got to be on the list uh, parties to the people who just come for the just the environment and the mood and to hang out with friends and don't ever go on the massive show floor with the merch and everything and just, you know, hang out in, in the weird vibe, the weird energy. So it's mm-hmm. just like it. it it has elements of every other convention I've been to. So it is both sort of intimate and monstrously, insanely huge. Yeah. Yeah. So nice description. What was your expectation? But the first year we went, I believe, is 20, uh, 2011, 2011. Mm-hmm. What, was the, what was your expectation when we went and what kind of surprised you? Ooh, gosh. Um, if I could remember my own memories. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, it's one of those things where I had heard a lot about it, but was still for myself, like I had gone to the the local um, Minneapolis science fiction convention that we've talked about before, Convergence, but hadn't really gone to a lot of other conventions. So it just wasn't a world that I knew a lot. I think maybe we had gone to a few others by that point. Yeah. Um, obviously, you had been to many, but I think I had gone to a few others with you. Um, and I just kind of was like, okay, it's going to be big and everybody talks about you know it's going to be both very in-depth and also have like this media presence because it kind of seemed to be a thing that came up about a lot about like well it's so close to Los Angeles so you've got that there um and I kind of just didn't really wasn't quite sure how to prepare myself for it (laughs) and a few of the like surprising things that I remember um one was seeing how much it spread out into the town right like seeing the banners all I mean, certainly we're in that part of San Diego, but seeing banners not just outside the convention center, but in you know through the whole um, blocks and blocks gas, away. gaslight district and everything, and seeing the banners, yeah, even like up by our hotel, which was not right there, and um, seeing the restaurants and stores that were skinned oh, for right. themed restaurants was kind of a new. I mean, it was kind of like maybe there were pop ups, but it wasn't really a thing that I had seen. And um, so seeing that and just trying to understand like, okay, what's here normally and what's here just for this? And um, and then all the people chariots, the little oh, the people, yeah. the petty bikes. Um, <laughs> I like people chariots yeah. better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think those are kind of the like really the um, kind of the sensory memory that was like, wow. And then just kind of the sheer number of people. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I think the biggest thing for me is my my beginnings of going to conventions absolutely was Convergence. And that was my friends. It was because I was you know going to do a show there. And then my friends were like, but it's just so cool. You just get locked in, not literally locked in, but you just go to a hotel and you just stay there for a couple of days and you hang out and you drink if you want to. And it's just, it had a little bit of this, like, you just take a weekend off and you get to be a nerd for a weekend. Mm-hmm. And not that Convergence isn't, you know, a ton of work, especially as I got involved more and did, you know, sometimes like 12, 13, 14 panels and shows in, in three days, uh, three or four days. Uh, but I was kind of used to the like, it's kind of a break from the real world where you just hunker down in one hotel. And then everyone's like, San Diego Comic-Con isn't like that. It is a trial. It is like climbing a mountain. <laughs> you better make sure you're in shape. You better have hydration. You're going to, you know, you you will die like you're in a desert if you don't have a granola bar. You better have eight backup batteries for your phone and the right shoes. And uh, I am so grateful for that because I was so prepared for this is much more, you know, you are out in the hot sun. You are in the absolute packed crowds almost everywhere you go that it's a little bit more of an endurance trial than a comfy cozy weekend in a hotel with your friends yeah uh so i think i was uh i was prepared for that in a in a really fun way Mm -hmm. the other thing was the 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 specific for me not realizing how much it i got that it was corporate but i didn't get how much i had spread beyond more traditional pop culture nerdery and uh i've told this story before but there was uh a bathroom I was trying to use and I was told by, you know, a large security person that I could not go into that bathroom. I was like, oh, okay. Um, and then <laughs> LL Cool J came out because he was uh, on the on one of the procedurals at the time. I don't remember which. And he just came out of the bathroom going, that was intense. And to this day, I have no idea <laughs> if he was talking about a panel, <laughs> if he got some breaking news on social media. I don't know. Uh, or if it was more traditionally bathroom related i do not know what was intense (laughs) but it was intense for me uh over the years of us going there you ended up getting involved in stage managing a a show called wootstock do you want to talk a little bit about that and and the uh the greatest about it sure sure absolutely so wootstock was um an online online a show an in-person show that was started by adam savage Will Wheaton and Pollen Storm. And um, it was, I believe, kind of the backstory. Might have this wrong because I wasn't there at the very beginning. Was just kind of a like, hey, we never see each other. Let's not only hang out, let's do a show together and kind of put the internet on stage. Yeah. I think is kind of where it came from. So it was a combination um, comedy, music. They would always have different guests coming in who were in town for San Diego. And it was, you know, great to be doing. obviously during comic-con because so many people are coming into town for this and so there was always you know kind of who would be on the lineup this year and kind of like oh well, we'll try to get this person or not and i ended up um stage managing the show for quite a few years and uh it was super fun it was in the balboa theater which is right in kind of the heart of the gaslight district um gaslight 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 I don't think that's right. There's reasons we've been using the other word culturally. There is, there is. Okay, so gas lamp district. Sorry, San Diego. Um, (laughs) That's a really fun one to get wrong. (laughs) No, I I believe it always has been gaslight. (laughs) (laughs) What? I didn't mean anything. Um, Yeah, so I got to stage manage that. One of my, um, so I did that for, for years, which was super fun, just kind of making sure everything was set you know we would 
fly in or drive in and kind of make sure everything's set up, work with um, the people putting it on, work with the the crew at the theater who were usually the same crew. This became um, a show that was one of the favorites of some of the um, the staff at the theater. So they would always make sure they were working for that event. And uh, so that was fun to get to know them as well. Yeah. And um, I believe it was like kind of my my test year, my year in training. I was kind of like the assistant stage manager. So I was just supposed to observe, kind of see what happened. Um, and was told like throughout the show, like everything's crazy. There's, you know, things come up, there's a party going on downstairs. So we're just going to need you to like jump in and handle things. Right. It's like, put out cool, fires. whatever, I'll do whatever you need. And at one point they turned to me like, okay, turns out LeVar Burton is coming to the show tonight. So what we need is for you to handle LeVar Burton. <laughs> And as a um, both a Star Trek fan, but also for LeVar Burton, a huge Reading Light Rainbow fan, <laughs> uh, I was like, okay, done. Like, I have to be on LeVar Burton watch. I need to look for him. I need to make sure he gets to where he's going and meet, make sure that he gets to the next place he's going and, you know, not hassle him and not let other people hassle him. Um, so that was my very fun trial by fire. Nice. And then did you uh, did you handle LeVar Burton? I did. I How? mean, I... You know, he was very easygoing and knew a bunch of people there. So yeah, but I mean, he he asked you for specific help, right? Like he he embraced that you were the one navigating him through because I believe oh. you told me a story about like uh, that he was like, "I'm ready to go now." Oh yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had forgotten about that. So yeah, no. I mean, we brought him on, got him to talk to people, and then he kind of was like mm, kind of looking and so I was standing you know nearby like I should be but not right in the middle of things and he's like okay I'm done now so I was like okay here we go <laughs> so off we went and got him out and on to his next thing yeah so no super duper fun yeah and it, super kind it, it's uh, always fun to see how you are a great stage manager you're great at getting everything lined up you you have a great uh, technical mind and you know you're, you're performing yourself so you know how things come up spontaneously and sudden needs and get everything uh, lined up and ready to go. So it's always great to see not only, um, you know, Paul and Storm did, you know, from my perspective, a lot of the actual managing from the time that I performed there. So great to see that they are always really uh, so excited to have you and feel so safe that you're the safety net there. And then to see that over the years, the people who actually work every year at Balboa Theater remember you and are excited <laughs> that you were there that's a damn good stage manager uh that they're so excited that you're there we're well, a, a good team and it was um very very well run by paul and storm and set up by them so that i just got to show up the day of and i mean do do a bunch of work the day of but yeah very very fun can you tell the george r, r. martin story because i love that one so. sure then i also want to tell the michael Giacchino story okay <laughs> <laughs> so um the well, many years the show um, actually, I'm not going to start with this part because it'll give something away. Okay. So I'm going to mm, pretend I didn't say that. Okay. Um, so one year, some of the two of the guests who were there just at the beginning, um, they had Neil Gaiman come out and just do a hello. Actually, he didn't come out. I'm just, I've not told this story recently enough. <laughs> I'm telling it all backwards. So uh, Paul and Storm have a song um, that starts with the lyric, George R. R. Martin, please write and write faster. And so they um, got George R. R. Martin to come to the show and so he um came out on stage no it is neil the gaming who came out first yeah. goodness okay 
remember when I said I'm still recovering from the surgery? So I still have post-surgery brain here. Um, okay, so Neil Gaiman's on stage. He goes out and he chastises He Paul interrupts Storm. the song. That's what, so Paul and Storm started. George R. R. Martin, please write and write faster. Neil Gaiman comes out and chastises them, stops the song. He's like, you know, don't, don't you be mean to poor George. And um, Paul and Storm ahead of time had set up with me. They're like, okay, and George is going to need to go. Can you cue both Neil and George? And, you know, Neil has done a lot of stage work. He kind of had his cue. So he's like, okay, I've got it. But George is like, no, can you um, push me when it's my turn to go on stage? And I was like, <laughs> okay, I'll just indicate. He's like, no, can you push me? So I was like, okay, I can push you. Um, so it was his cue. So I pushed him on stage um, and he... Uh, broke a guitar. That's the tradition that happens is they would often have a guitar that somebody would break at the beginning. Um, and then the, this is a sign of the theater loving the show. For years, they had like all the signed broken guitars hanging um, in their backstage area above the stage um, elevator. Yeah, because he signed a bunch of the yeah, shards, so he's, right? Yeah, yeah, so he signed George R. R. Martin. Yeah, and then, you know, the show had to keep going. So George R. R. Martin went back down to the dressing rooms and then... Um, his assistant or his friend came up and was like, he needs to leave. But he was told he has to get a photo with the broken guitar first. So I was like, okay, um, we're in the middle of a song. They're fine. I can run down and take the photo. So I took a bunch of photos of him posing with his, um, you know, broken guitar uh, that he had smashed on stage and then sent those to everybody who needed the photos so that he could leave and not interrupt the show. <laughs> that is so great. I just love that he actually wanted to be pushed yeah <laughs> in all respect to him the 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 song uh, is is a very funny you know uh, tongue-in-cheek of like we like the book so much please yeah. write faster but he he does get so much absolute uh harassment of having to write faster uh so i think there are people who, who literally want to push him to write faster <laughs> so the fact that you got to <laughs> push him to, push. to react to literally <laughs> physically push him to react to that sentiment yeah and you wanted to tell another story yeah so um the what year did row one come out 2016 so in 20 2016 winter yeah december okay. of 2016 so in summer of 2016 i believe um they had as one of their guests michael giacchino who some people might be familiar with um he's a composer um he's composed a lot of things that you have listened to if you listen to anything or listen to that you've watched um including Spider-Man Far From Home, I believe, Rogue One. Um, he did the music for Alias back in the day. He's done... Um, yeah, a ton of different up, like, genre stuff. So many yeah. things. Um, so anyway, he was he was on stage. Um, I think he's a friend of Adam's, and they had another um, friend who was on stage, and the three of them were just kind of, we're going to play around and do something fun. And uh, it was the last piece in the show, and I was backstage kind of just watching, seeing what was going to come up. And um, a friend of Michael's was also backstage watching. And at one point, Michael was giving Paul and Storm a hard time being like, come on, you guys, I thought the show was going to be done. I just want to be in a bar getting a beer. And there was, um, you know, a cooler full of beer down in the dressing room. So I turned to his friend. I was like, let's go get him a beer. So we went down and grabbed, grabbed the whole cooler <laughs> and brought the whole cooler on stage so that Michael Giacchino could have a beer. And as a giant fan of the Rogue One soundtrack, um, which came out after that, um, it was super fun to just be able to do some of those little things that made the show very fun in the moment. Yeah. Oh, man, that's great. And now I'm hearing like the landing on, mu on Jetta music uh, as, as you're marching out with the, <laughs> the beer. And I'll think about that when I watch Rogue One. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so great. 
Um, yeah, it was great to, to have uh, always a real specific mission uh, when we went to San Diego Comic-Con because you did that for years. I did mm-hmm. lots of different shows over the years and some improv and stand-up and uh, podcasts and all sorts of uh, different things. I think uh, in the, the Wootstock year was great, um, but I think my favorite weird memory is there was that year, there's a, that uh, big nice park that looks right into the bay Mm-hmm. Uh, that people had this great idea of like, strangely, this real estate that is not far from the convention doesn't get used. And it's this big open space. Let's put up like a band shell type stand and let's do, you know, nerdy music and comedy and uh, a bunch of people that I am friends with and perform with regularly. The Double Clicks, Molly Lewis, Marion Call, all sorts of other people uh, got booked to, to do this. And mm-hmm. I think everybody putting it on did a great job, but somehow, some way, there just there wasn't a massive advertising uh, a movement behind it to get people there. Mm-hmm. So it was this incredibly bizarre experience of standing on a stage, doing stand up in, in this massive like baseball <laughs> diamond like park uh, with the audience was never more for anybody than like. 30 people maybe mm-hmm. uh which isn't a lot when you're doesn't feel like a lot when you're, when you're <laughs> staring not. at a massive park and then into the bay which you know <laughs> you know from that vantage point to me it just looks like i know it's a bay but it just looks like the endless ocean from that vantage point and the uh stand-up piece i had decided to do was a thing i was doing at the time about uh palpatine being this sort of fantasy of a, an honest politician because he's just blatantly evil and I got to do my uh, fun Palpatine uh, voice that I like to do. Just saying, you know, awful things <laughs> <laughs> in this bright daylight of this giant park, beautiful ocean. It was just one of those like, man, life finds you in really weird places moments. And I kind of treasure that memory. Oh, that's a beautiful one. Yeah, it really was. I think I actually ended the set with just like, I want to take a step back and just reflect on what is happening here. Mm-hmm. I just, I think you did. I just swore at the ocean as Ember Palpatine basically (laughs) (laughs) lots of great memories uh with the shows but let's so that's a little bit of our kind of personal experiences of how we have interacted with the you know showbiz part of San Diego yeah but I want to you've done many other shows there as well I don't mean to just focus on my my stage managing no I yeah yeah, you're not okay (laughs) well let's move on (laughs) let's move on yeah let's talk about some of the all of the there's so many different aspects and elements to uh, the convention and the big one is the show floor like that is the heart of the convention and it is full of uh, merch Uh, there's lots of different art there's some signing opportunities with artists there's lots of big sort of like promotional booths for like oh here's the CW and here's everything and there's like the walking dead with the uh, kennel of uh, actors pretending to be zombies Uh, there's the all the weird photo ops of like you can pose in with this action figure backdrop like you're the action figure of Thor and Mjolnir is hanging there and you can grab onto it for a a photo op and uh, that's where you will see a ton of the cosplay if you just want to sit in there and watch cosplay so what is your experience of the show floor is it the heart of comic-con to you and and what do you love about it Mm, i i mean 
I'm going to be controversial and say Comic-Con has multiple hearts. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I must say Time Lord because otherwise I will be kicked out right. of the general <laughs> collection of nerdery in yeah. the cosmos. Maybe two, maybe more. Maybe more. But I would say that it is one of the hearts, um, certainly and in, and truly with the like beating, throbbing just of the mass of people. I feel like that's a, <laughs> that's a good metaphor for it. The throbbing in the blood. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. There's a lot of that there. No, I've really enjoyed the show floor. I think, I'll, let me put that, um, let me be more honest. <laughs> I've had my ups and my downs with the show floor over there. I think some years um, I just have not been totally up for being um, compressed with that much humanity without some feeling of choice um, but for the most part and I think that's once or twice we got there when it was really crowded to get anywhere near the show floor really crowded to get into the show floor and just not really feeling like there's a chance to see some of the things you wanted to see because it was just all navigating humanity right you can be just um, stuck in a human traffic jam where you are just you kind of can't see what's causing the congestion and you are taking like you're moving like an inch forward every yeah. 30 seconds yeah. Yeah. And, and if you have any issues with feeling confined, mm-hmm. man, that, that can do it to you. Yeah. But that aside, I would say most of the time I've really enjoyed it. And I feel like we've kind of figured out our approaches are going at times where it's slightly less crowded, by which it means you can take, you know, three steps in a minute instead of two steps. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm exaggerating. But um, no, I've really enjoyed, you know, everything from this, this, came to me as you were asking me the question um, from our first Comic-Con. And this sounds like a ridiculous statement now. So just um, step back <laughs> to 2011. And I, I was kind of re... I had, we've talked before about how I was not a big comic book reader, but I just wasn't very aware of kind of what was going on in the genre world at, at that time, and unless it was really big. Um, certainly like the Marvel movies and things I was paying attention to and um, all of that. But um, the comics that I did read when I was little were the Archie comics. <laughs> and I didn't know that the Archie comics were still around because oh, wow. I just hadn't seen them. And this is why it sounds ridiculous now is because now there's all these like Archie, that world based like TV properties and oh, everything. Yeah, Riverdale, like Riverdale yeah, Sabrina, yeah. There's so many, but at least that I was aware of, they weren't around. And I remember being in the show floor and seeing the Archie sign um, from afar and just having that little like what this moment from my childhood still exists and then I ended up going to an Archie panel that year which was super exciting and like I was just so excited that something that I just hadn't thought about but kind of assumed it wasn't superhero so it didn't still exist and so I was so happy that I did yeah yeah and I, I think that's a great thing is everybody does uh experience comic-con and all of its many many uh pulsing hearts differently um and you know some people are really savvy about it they've been going for years and if you can get the preview night you can buzz through the show floor without experiencing the human traffic jam but what I came to really really love after having been there for you know many years like you can browse and you can have this fun surprise of like, oh, I didn't know that was going to be here this year. I didn't, you know, this really obscure little piece of merch or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of had liked toward the end that we knew generally where the Hasbro booth was with the Star Wars toys. We kn- knew where the CW uh, booth was with some of the uh, superhero friends that we liked and where some of the other like little photo ops were. 
So we could just like go in on a mission mm-hmm. and not browse, but be like, I'm going to get there. I'm going to take that photo. <laughs> I go there and go to the Star Wars uh, novels, uh, you know, booth and That's all right. that. I'm going to go to the two Doctor Who areas. The two Doctor Who areas. Yeah. Yeah. In uh, 2017, the Twin Peaks, which was insane for me because Twin Peaks yeah. was always like Showtime put its back behind it. And like, we are going to make Twin Peaks a thing. And like Twin Peaks, you know, its first season was this huge cultural revelation and then immediately fell off the map in its second season uh and then just kind of was in mostly in obscurity became more popular as people found it on netflix over the years which led to showtime you know uh bringing it back for that third season but i just never never it was like even back in the days when like i didn't have anyone to talk to about star wars like they thought that i could find any human ever to talk about twin peaks much less having a massive, massive printed out photo op of the Black Lodge was like, oh, man. Right. And those are those moments where I think that is with all of the challenges that San Diego Comic-Con can present. That is one of the things that makes it feel like this climbing the uh, the nerd mountain where you'll get to really interact with something you love in a kind of incredibly loud big spectacular way right Mm -hmm. you know it feels like the thing that you loved made the big time yeah and maybe that's it maybe that's what makes it feel really different because you know even with all sorts of genre stuff being incredibly popular a lot of other conventions are if you feel like you're you're gathering with your community and you're celebrating the stuff that you love in 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 this you know the community that's grown up around the specific conventions way and because san diego comic-con is kind of you know, at, at the top of the mountain convention wise and, and so corporate, it does feel like, you know, Twin Peaks hit the big time, even though I know it's like, yeah, it's it's it, it's the art is what matters to me. And Showtime is really trying to make sure that they make lots of money <laughs> off of this thing I love. Yeah. But it still feels like I can't believe, you know, there's a bobblehead of the entering Twin Peaks road sign, you know. And that yeah. kind of thing. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's what I like about the show floor is, you know, seeing the things that I love, but seeing them in this very specific environment where somebody is, everybody is so excited about it. Yeah, yeah. And I love how much there's such a wide variety. There's everything from the the Hasbro booth or, you know, whatever is the big thing that's being or big things that are being featured to walking down where some of the artists are and getting to see the artwork and going through where the comic books are and, you know, maybe paging through some of the boxes, maybe not, but just like that there's such a wide variety of ways to interact with these. Yeah. Um, I think that's one of the things that really speaks to me and makes me enjoy it and keep coming back. Yeah. And that was one of the things that you and I had started to do the last couple of years that we went, which I really liked is because uh, many people have commented on, you know, the, the whole, the comic part of the word, <laughs> <laughs> obviously the movies based on superhero characters from comic books are celebrated but the actual comic book artists uh, on the floor are, you know, kind of shoved off to the side. And if you want to get away from some of the intensity of the crowd, you can go to some of the great, like, really traditional comic book uh, just merch stands where they just have a, a, a ton of old comic books and ranging from the incredibly expensive, you know, uh, first appearance of Wolverine to just like uh, what you and I were doing is a, there's a couple of those great uh, booths that were just like, uh, it's whatever it was like five for twenty five dollars, mm-hmm. and just flip through the history of the comic book, and you see like this. Oh, it's it's you know it's five for twenty five, but here's you know Captain America and Falcon, and those yeah. actors are on stage is the biggest thing ever over in 
Hall H, you know, thousands of people. But here's just this little slip of of paper and mm-hmm. ink with art, and that's where it all started. Yep. And you can, it's like this whole convention is. There's the tiny little idea that's not even that expensive to buy the back issues of right now, up to like the largest, most important thing turns the wheels of uh, you know commerce and our society, like yeah. all of it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that was really fun to flip through the comic books with you and oh. decide together. Agreed. What comic books we're going to get. Uh, the cosplay is huge. Obviously, that's a huge part of the attraction of San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, and not that other conventions do, don't do cosplay, but that's for some people, that's that's their mission, either mm-hmm. to actually do it or to just cosplay watch. So do you have favorite cosplay you've seen or cosplay you desire to see in the future? Oh, um. Honestly, there's so many that I've seen that are so good that I, I'm having a hard time thinking of just one right now because they're amazing. Um, so the year, the Comic-Con after Wonder Woman came out. Yeah. Um, I was really curious to see which versions of the Wonder Woman from the movie we would get to see. And that was kind of, honestly, that was one of my like check boxes um, just mentally for myself that I had for Comic-Con of like, okay, I'm sure we'll see kind of the, you know, more classic um, outfit that she has at the end. But will we see a Themyscira version? Will we see the blue dress with the sword down the back? Uh Um, Will we see the trench coat with the hat? And I believe that we almost didn't see the trench coat with the hat, but I believe we did see one trench coat with a hat. And that made me really excited. Yeah, because we did see like one of everything at least. Yep, definitely. And And really good ones. And some great Dr. Poison as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I've forgotten about that. Yeah. Dr. Poison, yeah. Le- that was so good. It legitimately creeped me out. Yeah. Because like, I just, it was one of those turn the corners and like Dr. Poison was there. And <laughs> like the, the person cosplaying was kind of hunched in a like scary pose on purpose. Like, ah. yeah. <laughs> it was great. Uh, what okay. about you? Oh, I, I've seen so many. Uh, I think my favorite, just because the utter specificity, I believe, uh, is wet Obi Wan Kenobi. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so his. Obi-Wan with the uh, correct hair from Attack of the Clones, uh, episode two. And it, it's uh, the fight with in the rain with Jango Fett where he's damp. So uh, I believe that it was the intent because the robes were a little bit like uh, darker and heavier. I don't think it was this, just that this person was cosplaying Obi-Wan Kenobi and had just taken a shower. Yeah. I believe the effort was to actually be wet Obi-Wan Kenobi wow. from Attack of the Clones. So <laughs> I love the specificity. I love the fun comedy of seeing people be amazingly dressed as superheroes and then needing to do just the mundane things of life. Um, One that always sticks out to me is uh, Green Lantern is a famous character for having the ring that he needs to recharge with the lantern. He's he's Green Lantern, not Green Ring. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Because his whole thing is, I have to recharge my ring. And there was an amazing Green Lantern with an amazing lantern, an amazing ring. And I saw him just exhausted, leaned up against the wall uh, in charging his smartphone. (laughs) (laughs) Can you use your ring or the lantern to do it? Yeah. So I love that. And then uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention my San Diego uh, Comic-Con adventure that the first year we went, I made the joke of, Okay, uh, the one thing I really want to see is because I already like cosplay uh, people doing mundane things is I wanted to see somebody dressed as Batman eating a taco. I tweeted this. I got so many replies of like, well, you know, just throw a stone and you'll hit eight Batmans eating tacos because, you know, it's San Diego. There are a lot of great taco stands, a lot of tacos. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
in the all the years we've gone, I've never ever seen somebody cosplaying as Batman eating a taco. I have, from a distance, respectfully in <laughs> in a crowd, followed <laughs> Batman's <laughs> Batman's mm-hmm. all the way into the food area, and to, only to see them get popcorn or a hot dog and be denied. Uh, friends have kindly uh, dressed up as Batman and taken <laughs> photos with the tacos, but I've still never actually seen it organically happen in the wild. Yeah. Someday. It's happen. Someday. I did see Joker with a hot dog, but that's as close as I got. <laughs> as close as I got. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the community. Um, mm-hmm. So you and I, you and I go there with... You know, usually our specific agendas of I'm usually doing some shows or some panels or have some other meetings or business. You you were doing uh, stage managing Woodstock for a long time. Uh, what is the feeling of community from your perspective at San Diego Comic Con? Because for a lot of people, it's they have such a tradition. They go with these people and they mm. do these things and all that. I mean, it's been really fun and it's changed throughout the years. And I think we just keep changing because... Um, there is some sense of community, but also it's so big that I feel like there there is that element of, well, we're going to go to this thing that we want to go to. And then, hey, look, we know people there. So then we're going to hang out with them for a little bit. And it's like it's like a, a roving party where people like add on and go away. And then you sit in a hotel lobby for a while. And hey, another person happens to walk in and joins your group. And then that person has to go. And then it turns out that this person is actually friends with these other two people that you know from a totally different part of the country. Um, and that is to me the the community of it is sometimes making plans, of course, to meet up with friends and then do you know go through places together, or get to actually sit down and see them for a little bit. But also that sense of roving, um, kind of free flowing. Yeah, you know, where there's like the current going and people you know are adding on and taking off. Yeah, no, I I think that is absolutely the best. And, you know, things have, have fluctuated. Sometimes I was there for a specific bit of business that would include this specific friend. So I'd hang out with them a lot. And then, you know, in the last couple of years uh, doing Force Center with uh, Ken Napsock and Jennifer Land, I would hang out with them a little bit or we would have a meetup. So there'd be a little bit of that uh, element of community going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for me, you and I have always stayed in uh, kind of outlier hotels and walked in or taken the uh, a bus in, so we've never stayed like in the heart of things, right? Because there's such competition to get those uh, hotel rooms, and I think maybe that would be different if you're like we're crashing in a hotel room with uh, two other people, and we're kind of traveling as a unit, and we're kind of right there in the center of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do have that sense of like, uh, is this you're not going missing specific spaces. Yeah. Um, I never remember the hotel names, but there's that uh, one uh, outdoor seating area that has the kind of um, thatched roofed uh, little bar area and then a pool that we go to a lot. I believe that's the Marriott. Yeah, the Marriott. We're just like so many different uh, memories over the years where like, um, you know, have gone there with uh, our friend Paul Cornell, who we often, San Diego is often an opportunity to catch up with him specifically, or uh, Audrey Kearns and Brian Bradley. And I remember like, oh, they've introduced me to this person that I'm still friends with uh, at that pool and all all of these great traditions, including, I forget, my, one of my favorite uh, Comic-Con stories, uh, in the height of his reign as the doctor, Matt Smith, <laughs> Matt Smith and Stephen Moffat and Karen Gillian, all just sitting at like one table over from us uh, and just 
chatting it up like uh, you know regular regular folks and in fact uh i wasn't trying to eavesdrop because i really like to be respectful and give people their space but uh they were seated on the path to the bathroom and i have a tiny bladder and i kept passing them and they were talking about doctor who (laughs) they were talking about it like fans of like (laughs) what parts were their favorite in which episodes they liked that they did from the snippets of conversations like this is amazing uh yeah and then there's a whole story with Matt Smith's beer, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. The I I he somebody came up to him and very kindly offered to buy him a beer, and he very kindly was like, "Sure," even though he was clearly like g- getting ready to leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he took like one sip of this beer and and he left. And then it was closing time, basically. And then yeah, Matt Smith's beer was sitting there, and he's like, "The doctor." And for just a second, is like, "I'm gonna drink the beer of the doctor." <laughs> And you did exactly what you're doing right now. You just shook your head. <laughs> and you you held up the mirror and I saw myself and I didn't do it because that was that was just a little too weird. I'd already had some beers, which is You'd already had some beers. Perhaps why that idea occurred to me. And you never know what somebody's putting in a beer. Well, yeah. I mean that 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 was very... honestly my main reason. Like, nope. Okay. We're, we're not we're not going there. <laughs> Uh, good choices made all around, <laughs> mostly by you and I listen. So, yeah, uh, I want to touch on the panels. We've been to a couple panels over the years. There's like the big, f- huge, famous Hall H hard to get in uh, panels. But then there's just lots of different panels. Uh, when last year's we went, I was really excited to go to a uh, an action a Star Wars action figure panel and a Star Wars publishing panel. And that was like a ton of fun because that was really like sitting back and going like, all right, well, I'm ki- I am kind of come to the convention sometimes for, like, businessy reasons, but this is just my nerddom. This is where I, I'm excited about these action figures and books. Yeah. And it was great. For you, what were good panel experiences? You said you went to the Archie panel. What yeah, else jumps out? Yeah, I went to an Archie panel. Um, honestly, I've had some fun um, when I maybe am standing in line for a panel and then get in there just a little bit early and get to sit down on part of a panel for something that I know nothing about Right, has been, I and I don't remember what it is now, so this is not the best example, but there was one I was, um, got to listen to the second half and it was a fascinating, it was about a comic book um, and the kind of what they were doing to revamp the series. And I remember just like making notes um, probably on my phone of like, oh, I should look for this and I should look for that and just really enjoying it and having It'd be a thing I'd never heard of before that and now I don't remember. So great example, Sarah. <laughs> but um, but that's one of my favorite things about this is those moments of discovery and getting to kind of hear things that you don't necessarily know or not. Another favorite that I will call out is um, I think it was the first year that we were there. Bonnie Burton had a few panels. Yeah. And now we are great panels with Bonnie Burton. But at the time, we did not know Bonnie Burton. No, it was a year before we met her. Yeah. And I was very excited to go to her crafts panel. So I went and went to her crafts panel. It was super fun. She had everybody doing crafts. It was, you know, of course, packed to the gills. And uh, everybody so I think it was Star Wars crafts specifically. Um, I probably. And... Um, they they were concerned that they weren't enough scissors for everybody, so we were all having to like <laughs> share in the back. But there happened to be a bunch of I mean, it's a craft panel, so a bunch of people 
were cosplayers or like myself at the time, I, I actually usually try to carry a little foldable scissors with me. So I had my scissors that I was using and sharing with people around me. Like everybody in the back had their own scissors or somebody knew them <laughs> did. But I remember her coming back at one point and being like, are you guys all okay? We're like, we're great. We've all, we're all sharing scissors. This is so great. And it was super fun. And then it's just kind of one of those fun, um, just the ways of life now that now she has a dear friend. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and Jennifer Landa, who yes. I do Force Center with, the Star Wars podcast, uh, there was a, a costume display part of it that Bonnie was like, hey, yeah. and look at these cool crafts that people have made. And I Jennifer has a Millennium Falcon dress and a Death Star dress. I'm, p- I'm pretty sure it was her Death Star dress. Oh, I was going to say it was the Millennium Falcon dress. I can't remember which it was, but I think it was on Force Center where she we were talking about you know conventions or cosplay, and she brought that up. And I was like, wait. I was at that panel. Yeah, because yeah. I think when you Years first started before I met her. Yeah, when she um, when she was doing Force Center with you, I like she's one of the people that stuck out in my mind, and I was like, "What with the Death Star Millennium Falcon dress lady? That's amazing." <laughs> Uh, let's talk about the parties. Uh, yeah. In uh, when people say the parties, like they, like the uh, comic book writers and creators generally have, like that we we meet at this specific hotel, I'm, and I know that because I'm friends with some writers and artists, uh, and I'm sure there are you know many other little pockets of this is where people from this industry meet. Mm-hmm. So there's those just kind of open things, but then there's the parties that are put on by the companies that are that can be really really exclusive and hobnobby and you know very mm-hmm. much industry parties uh and some of them are like these great geek fantasia like incredibly themed you know you get to have an experience you couldn't have anywhere else and some of them are just like this is loud dance music there's cheap booze everywhere and this is indistinguishable <laughs> from any other club <laughs> Anywhere in America at 1 a.m. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, in that, and yet it's the exclusive such and such party. So there's a lot to me going on uh, in in terms of what the parties are and how you experience them. Have you had, we haven't done the party scene a ton, but from your experience, have you enjoyed them? What have you got out of them? Are they, is there anything different about the San Diego Comic-Con party experience to you? Um, I've enjoyed the ones I've gone to, but I think often I, in particular, have not gone because I think I've usually been working shows because uh, <laughs> I stage managed a few other shows in there a few years. So I think I've often been like, OK, I get to go in for five minutes and see it. Cool. Now I got to go. Yeah. Um, so I the like hard to get into parties. I don't feel like I've actually been to that many. Yeah. Yeah. So but I know you have. So, yeah. What has been your takeaway? Well, I, I we we've gone to one or two that we've been invited to, sure, uh, yeah. and that's and that's been great. We've had some um, absolutely uh, amazing experiences. Uh, there was uh, a, a, a relatively well known person who had a party in a sort of I think party room, and then it, it was we were told we were being too loud in the party room, so <laughs> he moved it up to his hotel suite. <laughs> that was a, a fun one. Mm-hmm. Uh, in not in any sort of creepy ways, a large hotel yeah. suite and you know, sixty people. So, yeah. but it was weird. It was the whisper party. It was a whisper, yeah. And then everybody had to go go to the hotel suite and talk very quietly while drinking alcohol. <laughs> yeah, that that was a fun one. Uh, there was a one particular uh, uh, Comic Con where you did need to go do a show, and we decided to hang out with our friends uh, Brian and Audrey, and they're really like, oh well, we think we can get you into. I into this party and 
and it worked and, and we went and it was one of the very corporate ones. It was one of the ones where, yeah, there was some cosplay, but then there were like clearly executives in suits doing the drive by of looking at your name tag you're <laughs> looking at your badge rather to try to see if you were someone mm-hmm. <laughs> uh and then from there, we went to a great Harry Potter-themed uh, one. Uh, oh, nice. I know many people are struggling with their Harry Potter fandom right now, and, and I understand. But uh, at the time, that was really fun uh, that, that we all went to. Uh, and then you had, from there, I believe you had to leave to do the show. Yeah, I didn't make it to the Harry Potter one. Yeah. And then, oh, you weren't. That's right. That's mm. right. Yeah, because you had to leave after that first one. Yeah, yeah the Harry I Potter saw, one. I saw corporate. So. You saw corporate. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, then we went to the Harry Potter one. Anyway, and then... Uh, at, I think at that one, uh, Brian and Audrey were like, oh, this has been a good night, but maybe we're done. And I, like you were describing before, I bumped into uh, a friend who is uh, very experienced at the party scene. And, you know, I, I as I say on the podcast a lot, I've got, I'm really on the border of introvert versus extrovert. Once extrovert is turned on, I'm in. But I've sometimes like, I don't want to go to this these fancy parties and try to push my way onto the list and and this year was great because i i was in extrovert mode mm-hmm. i met my friend who is also an extrovert and hadn't seen her in a while and she's like let's go to all these other parties and it w- i think i went to like six different parties of all different kinds wow and then had that really great experience that i kept m- seeing other people Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and like like you described, you know, and it, it, it was one of those nice moments for me where sometimes the the party side of it can feel like the um, the class system, mm-hmm. the corporate side of it, and the class system is letting itself be known. And it was just really nice to be like, yeah, sure, this party is being thrown by this company, but look, here's this friend, and like I remember all these great conversations I had, and uh, just a, a wonderful night of hopping from weird party to weird party. <laughs> And even with all the sort of corporate uh, BS of it, what was joyful about it was just uh, seeing and, and meeting people. And and the last party that they were going to anyway was a party was like, oh, yeah, the vast majority of my friends are already at that party. <laughs> <laughs> so it was perfect. Yeah, it was a perfect way, perfect yeah. way to, to end the evening. Uh, one of the last things I want to talk about as we start to wrap up our conversation is that tension uh, that I think exists there is there is so much about San Diego Comic-Con that is exclusive. I'm sure for some people that's a part of their part of its charm, but there are exclusive Funko Bops. There are exclusive action figures. There are, you know, exclusive any, there's exclusive napkins for tacos, you know, exclusive everything. The parties are exclusive. It's hard to get into Hall H and a badge of honor if you were there in the room when they announced blah, 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 or saw this, tr- you know, like there was... I think there was one year with uh, Star Wars that everybody who was in Hall H got, you know, marched to the uh, oh, right? marched to the the bay, and in uh, there here's here's a concert, yeah, with Star Wars music, and like there can be some like absolutely cool, not just about status, just an insanely cool experience, yeah. But there's that tension that so that there's to me that there's a lot there that is kind of exclusive you have to be first in line you have to strategize and every you know they're going to run out of supplies you're not going to get in the room and so many of the stories that are being celebrated are about like we're all equal inclusivity <laughs> is good you thought this person didn't matter but actually this person 
you know, has real value and is going to change the world. Those are the stories that are being celebrated. And sometimes it's hard to be like, (laughs) you are not allowed in the room where we're celebrating that everybody should be included. That's right. You are not important enough for this. (laughs) But we're going to celebrate that idea. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what am I overthinking that tension? What do you think about that tension? I don't think you're overthinking it. I think um, from my, and again, this is just my experience, obviously. Um, I think that it's totally there. And I, I think it can, it can get to be a bit much. Um, but I think it depends a lot on, on what's of importance to each individual person, what they're trying to get out of it. I think in particular for people who maybe what they really want is to be, you know, an actor on one of these TV shows. And so the fact that they can't get into the shows that are put on by these tv shows is like a sign of they're not where they want to be with their career or their mm-hmm. life so i think there's some of that like your own personal status um you know at this point i don't think there have been any exclusive like merch that have come up that have been super important to me but i'm sure that something might at some point and that would be a fun puzzle and challenge to see if i could do it um i think it's been really interesting in, over the years because i i feel like Maybe especially for me, the first few years of going, I felt that a lot more. I it felt a little bit more like the haves and have nots of like, oh, you, oh, all of these 10 of my friends were at this party, but I'll be over here with those of us who were drinking invited. And, you know, it felt a little bit more like that. But I feel like going more for myself, I found the things that I like. Yeah. Um, and the things that might be fun if they came up, but it's not going to ruin my experience. And I found the the little joys that come up and different things come up each year. Yeah. And uh, so I'm, I try to stay open about it and not to be, not to be jaded about it. Honestly, is the thing that I try to be is just be open of like, yeah, whatever your experience is, that's great. When I'm going to figure out what my experience is going to be for this year. And some years it might include like the parties or Hall H or something. And other years it might be that I'm going to be the person who's mainly walking by the bay looking at all the cosplay. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Uh, And I think, uh, again, as I always try to say, I'm obsessed about everything, but particularly, to your point, something as large as Comic-Con with as many different beating hearts, everybody has a different experience of it and everybody has a different priority. And I'm sure there's some people like, the exclusives are, there's no, I I have no tension about that. That's what I'm there for. I love the hunt. Mm -hmm. You know, so I totally understand that this is coming from uh, my perspective. Um, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I, it, as the years went on, I think I found this great balance between like, well, well, here's maybe like a sh- big show that I'm trying to do, or here's maybe like kind of a businessy thing that I'd like to try to, uh, accomplish. But then I, I'm also here just to be a fan and to create my own traditions with friends or like with you and I, I, you know, I feel like any year that we go back, I will want to be like, Let's find our time to get our five for 25 or whatever with the comic books, the thing that started all this. (laughs) Um, So I think there's a lot of great ways to celebrate. And I'm so glad you said the Bay, because that's like a big to me. That's one of the most interesting things about it is, you know, for people who've never been, the actual convention center is this massive, long building. And then, you know, radiating out away from the water is the gas lamp district. (laughs) Gas lamp, gas lamp. But behind the convention center, it's just beautiful, sparkling water in Mm -hmm. a bunch of boats and not that many people. Yeah. And there's no line. There's nobody charges you to look at the water. I've made that Twitter joke that I expect to be charged two seventy five to look at the water, probably more. 
but it is it is it's just a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. I know that's not news to people that San Diego is beautiful, but I think sometimes people are just so like I, I'm coming from I'm coming from the this the packed gas lamp area. You know, absolutely. You know, my costume is almost falling off and get, attaching to somebody else's costume. We're also packed together, and I get in there and like. But if we just go outside the other side of the convention, there's just like actual natural beauty. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That you can always experience and always just go there to just take a a deep breath. Mm-hmm. And usually see people in cosplay and are lining up for Hall H. Yeah. Yeah. And the first year, that that was one of the things that really cracked me up. The first year because it was 2011. And there was a plane flying back and forth with a big sign trailing. And the sign just said Captain America because the first movie was coming out. Oh, nice. Or had come out. Okay. Uh, I, I don't remember the actual, you know, exact release time. Uh, and I just remember being so charmed by that because I was excited about it. And it's like, of all the human beings in the entire world who need to know that a Captain America movie is coming out, I think... Every human being here is aware that there's a Captain America movie, but that plane was going. Yeah, that plane was going and reminding you, Captain America, Captain America, which I got no problem with. Um, like we talked about the uh, the slogan being celebrating the popular arts. If you were going to come up with a new slogan for Comic Con, what might it be? Celebration, pop this jam. <laughs> Pop fizz jam. Ah, I kind of like it. Fizz. Pop fizz jam. I thought you said fist. No, fizz. Pop fizz jam. Yeah. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, celebration pop fizz jam. Mm-hmm. It's got a lot of ambiguity. I think I would do uh, uh, San Diego celebrating multiple hearts. Pulsing. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to move on to the plugging section of our show. Uh, where can people find you on social media where you want to be found? Yeah, you can find me the most these days on Instagram at Scrim Street. Excellent. And here are some quick plugs for this show, and then we'll do some final questions. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram as at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook as at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out that Star Wars podcast I co-host. That is called Force Center. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums, you can check out my website at josephscrimshot.com. You can also support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. And as always, we want to be aware of what's going on in the real world outside of talking about San Diego Comic-Con. If you want to help people, there are many resources that you can find on the website blacklivesmatter.com. All right, here are some final questions. If someone was going to cosplay as you, how would they do that? (laughs) <laughs> you mean like which look would they go for yeah mm. what would you see somebody dressed and go Ooh, they're cosplaying me sarah yeah. scrimshaw Ooh. um well if they're cosplaying me at san diego they would be wearing all black <laughs> and a headset possibly two headsets um as well as you know some sort of varies on the the year you could go for different versions is this like first edition second edition whether there's you know like a purse for all of my stuff or a waistband um you know fanny pack type thing um yeah nice nice i like that stage manager stage sarah. manager sarah yeah yeah and then i would like to see the variation that is uh stage manager sarah with the uh, sword hidden behind her back. <laughs> I would love that version. That would be me. The real me. That's the real. I'll, I'll know you by your sword. <laughs> That's a great thing to say to your partner. <laughs> I will know you by your sword. Uh, if there was a convention about cheese 
the size and intensity of San Diego Comic-Con, would you go? Ooh. I mean, <laughs> so here's the thing. I was going to say yes, absolutely. But uh, something that gets hot and sweaty and then you have to talk about or taste or discuss or smell cheese? No. <laughs> or smell. Yeah. Like if it could be San Diego in the caves, let's talk about cheese. <laughs> then Yes. Are there caves in San Diego? I don't think so. Not that I know where, at least. We'll but, have to discover them for a um, cheese convention. Yeah, for CheeseCon. Yeah, but that would be that would be the skin that I need on the room. They need to put the air conditioning really on and have little like cheese caves that you could go into in small groups. Yeah, this big mass of people and cheese. No. Okay. Well, I want at least thirty people at my Gouda panel. <laughs> well, yeah, the panels, the panels. You, you need to have a Hall H for cheese panel. Oh yeah, yeah. Hall yeah. H is for the smoked Gouda panel. So I'll try to work <laughs> my way up to the Hall H cave for that. As always, we close the podcast by asking, "What is happiness?" Do you have a general answer, a San Diego Comic Con specific answer? I, I'll, I like the specific ones these weeks. Um, I'm going to say Hall H. Or Hall H. <laughs> I'm going to say that happiness is, um, (laughs) sorry, I'm going to say that happiness is finding the way of celebrating the popular arts that works the best for you. Oh, that is great. And I think really, really uh, a great uh, summary of what we've been discussing, that we're discussing our perspective of San Diego Comic-Con, but knowing that's one of the thrills is that you're around all of these people. And sometimes it's like, oh my God, there are so many, I can't breathe, but everyone is there having this amazing and entirely different experience with different priorities. And just, yes, being aware, happiness is being aware of (laughs) thousands and thousands (laughs) of hearts. That beating, 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 always beating in the hot sun. Go look at the bay. Cool off. <laughs> there are fans. <laughs> you can wave. They have pop culture things on them. That is happiness. Thank you very much. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. To quote LL Cool J, that was intense.